I did not plan to be a civil rights worker, <laughs> but I appreciate that there is a community that is not only looking up to me, but they're, they're rooting for me, and I've got to not disappoint them. ESPNW presents Be Honest with Carrie Champion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Be Honest. Uh, it's been a busy few days. We were at the ESPNW Summit, and, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's just a summit. Uh, every year, they allow different women from different areas of sports to come together and talk about their accomplishments, what they want to do. So there's a group of people. There are bosses, such as Michelle Roberts, who's the head of the NBPA. And then there are just folks like Jamel Hill and I, and then there's Olympians. And so I had the opportunity to grab a couple of the ladies and, and, and ask them just to sit and shoot the ish. Uh, that's what I'm going to start calling parts of this podcast, shoot the ish. So so most recently, you may or may not have read um, Jamel Hill and Michael Smith are now the new 6 p.m. Sports Center anchors that will start in February. I most recently, on the same day it was announced, uh, re-signed my deal to be at Sports Center at 11 a.m. on Coast to Coast for a few more years, and um, we were just excited about it, about where we where we started and uh, where we ended up. Mama, look what I done did, type of ish talk we had. Uh, on the same end, I was able to talk to Michelle Roberts about where she started. She started two years ago, the first woman to head uh, the NBPA. That's the National Basketball Players Association. She is the president and she is a large and in charge. She works for the players, but she has so much respect. And she started two years ago, not necessarily knowing what she would get into, but she had these huge ideas, these these big goals. And uh, as the NBA comes to a new CBA, uh, a collective bargaining agreement, she has accomplished so much and she's happy with what she's done. So I just sat back and said, look at all these boss itches accomplishing so much. So they just talk they ish. Uh, first and foremost, I'll introduce you to Jamel Hill. She needs no introduction, but friend of the podcast. Uh, and I'm so happy for her and what she's been able to accomplish. And we just basically laughed and joked and talked about now that we have a little extra change in our pocket, we're going to all the strip clubs. Nobody can stop us. Every single strip club. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of Be Honest. Our next guest is always on the podcast, but it's never enough. Like, listen to what I just said. She's always on the podcast, but it's just never enough because I adore her. Um, the story of one Jabelle Hill and Carrie Champion goes like this. <laughs> oh, God. It started four years ago, mm-hmm. October 2012. Uh, we both were up for the job for first take. I got the job, and I thought she was salty. She emailed me and said, let's be friends. And I was like, I don't be your friend. I got my friends. I'm done with my friends. Because you thought I was secretly plotting your death. And quite frankly, I don't trust nobody. <laughs> and I got enough friends. I was like, I'm full with friends. My phone is full with friends. I don't need no more friends. And, 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 and thank God, because she's mature and she has a heart of gold, she pursued this friendship. And it has been arguably the best friendship that I've had in my adult years. My new friends. That no new friends doesn't necessarily work with this young lady. Um, because... Because this, I'm coming to a point, Jamal, and I'll let you talk in a second. Mm, no, this show. In a second, in a second. <laughs> uh, when I first got to ESPN, I was I needed help, and I didn't know I needed help. So you guided me through the pitfalls. You told me what I should and shouldn't do. You told me how to get my money, and I watched you in the process, literally in the process, go from per diem I'm writing to his and hers to now, now 
the hosts of the six o'clock sports center which is one of the if not the most premier property that we have at ESPN. So you took your His and Hers podcast, made it a TV show on ESPN2, and then brought it back to E1 on mm. SportsCenter. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> if you don't believe in him, won't he do won't it? Won't he do it? Yeah. So here's this girl from Detroit making money and living right, and all the while, all she does is encourage others and build others up. There's room for everybody in this game. Listen to me when I say that. No, you, you're so correct. And um, uh, I had a, a old agent of mine um, told me this before: is that whenever you um, you're in a bad mood or you're not feeling good about things going in your life, the best way to sort of clear your brain space and to even and you're not doing it just because you expect something back. He was like, go out and bless somebody. Just go out and bless somebody. And uh, you, as you know, being at the summit, you always hear nuggets of wisdom and you're like you know i'm gonna take that with me and i heard one um uh i think in yesterday's uh sessions i don't remember who exactly said it uh oh i know it was the executive vice president of wells fargo um that gratitude is a muscle mm, like you have to exercise you gotta it. exercise it but you know with a muscle I'm glad she used that term because that implies that it is something that you have to work at. It's not something you automatically have because I think a lot of us, um, you know, go around here being fake humble. And the truth is, or, you know, being fake gracious and or, you know, fake grateful that we don't understand that this is something we really have to work on and work towards. So. Um, I'm just really blessed. And, you know, you're giving me all these accolades, Miss, I just signed a new deal. I did sign a new deal. God <laughs> is good. Yes. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? And uh, I, I called you Harriet Tubman slash Sojourner Truth for a reason. <laughs> That's my nickname for you because I was like, girl, you leading us to freedom and you don't even know it. <laughs> well, well, it's funny now because you are leading us to freedom. I think we're doing it in different roles. This is the beauty of this friendship. And this is why people don't understand why we get along so well. We work together we work at the same network but we have our lanes and we stay in them and there's no competition this right. is a, this is the perfect example of working with someone and still encouraging them and building them you do what you do and you're comfortable in what you do i do what i do and i'm comfortable in what i do and we get blessed accordingly and i think i think what i learned from you more so than and i don't know what you learned from me but i think what i learned from you is that you encourage all women you're very much um uh all people in general but you're very much uh um a champion, no pun intended, <laughs> of all women. You want them to do well. You want to see them succeed. And and that is why you remain blessed. I can't get that lesson out enough. You know, you do that. You So so that's why you receive it. Well, but I will say, I mean, thank you. That was a tremendous compliment. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I guess we're going to have like a, a sort of compliment fest here mm -hmm. because there's a lot that – I certainly learned from you. And one of those things is to be unapologetic. And the one thing I love about you is that it didn't take you to get something or to get a certain status or to get a certain amount of money or whatever for you to start being unapologetic. You were unapologetic from the day I met you. Day one. <laughs> from day one. day one. And I have a feeling from the womb. You yeah, were way, I came right? out. You came out like, huh? I'm here. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't you know I'm up in here? And so that is what I love about you. You have an energy and a spirit that you just refuse to be uh, suppressed in any way. You're like, you're going to hear me whether I'm making $5 an hour, whether I'm on this fry machine or on ESPN. You're about to hear what I got to say. And I'm like, mm, don't. Yeah, hi. You know? That is the funniest story because I used to always be like, I, I don't care who in here. I'm here. <laughs> 
Not at work, Carrie. I'll, not at work. I don't <laughs> care who famous I'm here. Oh, okay, that's cool. Michael Jackson here and all, <laughs> Yo, but Mike, 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 you know. Mike, let me tell you about your lyrics to Bad. <laughs> let me tell you about your lyrics to Thriller, Mike. Um, <laughs> it's cool and all, but no, I no, you I, no, like, I, no, I am no, I. You know what it is? I was raised by this woman named Joyce, and Joyce raised me. Her name is Joyce. Her name is my mama. Oh Lord, that's such a mama. Uh, Joyce, she raised me to to believe I could do anything. I'd come home and be like, "Mama, I want to do this." She'd be like, "Cool, cool." Like, (laughs) I want to be class president. Cool, cool. It was a. I want to do this. Cool, cool. Let's do it. Like I. So therefore, as a result, I didn't learn that I couldn't do anything. I only learned that everything was. I don't know no better. (laughs) I learned everything was possible. Although that helped me, right? Because because you know, in this game, they'll they'll shit on your spirit in a minute. Mm -hmm. They'll make you feel like you don't matter. And if you don't know your worth, and this is what we can talk about all day, if you don't know your worth, somebody will try to tell you your worth. And I refuse to let somebody define how much I am and what I am. So, so, so having said all of that, so here you are with this, this, this brand new gig that, and we talked about this last night. So keep it funky. Uh Oh, does anything feel different? No, it doesn't. Um, I'm still getting used to it. Um, it's it's like if you buy a brand new car and then you're like, ah, let me just test drive it and see what it feels like. Uh, I don't feel any different than I did last week, and I don't know if that's good or bad. But because another thing you and I have always had um, off air, and I feel like we've addressed this on this podcast before, is like how to feel happy. Like there's because part of the reason why I didn't feel different is really a reflection of something wrong with me, not necessarily. What me. does that mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that like I don't. Um, we spend so much time, you know, fighting, struggling, scratching and surviving, you know, and, mm-hmm. and doing all these stuff. Good times. Right. And when you finally get there and you're there, you're like, ooh, what do I do now? Like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to act or. Or how is there a part of you that feels like if I'm not, if I'm not fighting, if I'm not scratching, if I'm not surviving. It just don't I'm, feel right. Then I'm, then I'm not, I'm not working hard. Or Correct. I'm not, I'm Correct. not doing my job. So true. So I feel like it is, I'm almost, uh, and this is why I did that, that TED talk about that, about being more fearful of success than you are a failure. Like failure is easy to understand and we all have a appropriate fear of failure. So it makes us good. But what happens is there also is an alternate kind of fear of success. Like I'm, there's a part of me, like I'm afraid to like be happy about this because I'm like, well, does it what if I'm they satisfied? take it away? Yeah. What if they take it away? What if that means I'm satisfied? What if I get complacent? What if I'm just too content? Like what is, you know, so I'm struggling to, I don't know how to celebrate this. I'm struggling with that a lot. Cause I'm like, should I go out and buy something? Well, it's not anything I want. Should I go out and go somewhere? Well, I've been a lot of places. It's so bizarre, and and and, and let's and let's I know be this is clear. Like the first world world of problems, right? But no, but no, I feel you because I'm like okay, like in my mind I thought maybe I maybe I get a new car with my deal. I don't. Mm. I'm, oh, I'm definitely getting a new car. But go ahead. But I but you know I keep I keep a decent ride. You so I'm all like, like but I already. keep a decent ride. But <laughs> like I'm like you're already rolling on something. Uh, but I just you know. but in my mind I'm all like well what do I do? And I feel like now I'm more conscious of saving and, and, and mm. planning mm. and more conscious of, let me get my money any way I can, but not because of this deal, just because I feel like, I don't know. Like, I don't, everyone's like, congratulations. Everyone's like, congratulations. I'm all like, uh, cool. 
thank you. Yeah, you don't even know what to say. Like, like yeah, I'm it's great. I don't get me don't get it wrong. Like when my when my friends talk to me, like, girl, put this in perspective. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I am grateful. Mm-hmm. But we were, you know what it is, and I and I've been trying to talk about this. Anybody who's black and who's who's in a business, or not even just black, just a minority, whether it's a woman, whether you're a minority by your background you work so hard when you're when you're one of a few that it all it all makes sense when you are rewarded because you're like no my sweat equity is so invaluable like the things that i do to be great my colleague does less than half of what i do mm-hmm. and they're rewarded for that mm-hmm. and we just and we consistently consistently come in and give 120% so to me it's like thank you for acknowledging finally all the bullshit you know what I mean? Or, or quite frankly, keep it on the low. You're like, I could got a little more, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't think that money changes you. I don't think that, I don't think that status changes you. I think at the end of the day, what you wrestle with is what I wrestle with. And that's just consistently being great and wanting to tell stories and wanting to deliver a message. And so the change in position doesn't change how you feel about your work ethic and what you want to do. You might have a little more money to trick off. Like, I expect you to buy me a trip to Italy. <laughs> she, her best friend, Kelly, got a trip to Italy. I expect a trip to Italy. Oh, okay. All right. Don't be. Now, I don't want to go to Italy. Now I want to no, go to no, South of France. And I want to go first class. Okay. okay? I got you. I got don't you, put me on. Don't put, mama got you. don't put me on Air Tran. Put me on. Air Tran. Southwest? No. No. I, I'm not trying to go to Italy on Southwest. You sure? Yeah. Why Change the plane no. 62 times? Yeah, so we can fill up. I want you to put me on. You I want it. you to put me this on Air France. You no, you real new money. You better give me the South of France on Air France. Okay, got first you. class. Got you. And you better take me to the Louis store like a husband, like a boyfriend. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I got to take you to the Louis store. All too. these things. We about to live this. Right. We're going to be true some N-words in Paris, like my, <laughs> my, my man Kanye said. We can't get fired just yet. Just yet? Okay. I ain't got that first check just yet. Okay. I'm still waiting on this. So, yeah. Let me hold something. Let me hold something. You know? All right, Angela Davis. I'm going to get us fired. Get us fired. I know. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, so, no, honestly. So, do you, what do you, what does this mean to you? Um, it, it is a, a culmination of a dream I didn't even know I had. I mean, you know this. I didn't want to be a sports center anchor. You know, I, I leave that to the professionals like yourself. I, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That wasn't ever in our plans, you know, me or Mike's. So, like, we laughed about it, right? We're like, anchor? Y'all want us to do sports center? To do what? <laughs> like, you want to hear me read a highlight? Oh, boy, caught it. That's how I do it. All right. Now take that. Now take Fo that. Nothing. For nothing. Fo nothing. Right. It's faux nothing. He done. And what? what? He went real fast. Back to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. I hear you. Holla. But uh, I think the part that we love about it is that they're allowing us to just be who we are. So a lot of our his and hers fans, and and and, and actually, Carrie, I want to ask you something because you because this is so much of your um, experience, much longer than mine, being on the brand of Sports Center. It's like people have this idea. Do you often run against people who? Um, kind of have this idea that sports center is this kind of outdated perception because anybody who's watched your show knows that like you're not fitting the quote traditional sports center model well here's the problem right so people feel that way if they see the same faces so if you are glancing casually 
and you see the familiar faces of people that are familiar, you're not going to know that it's different. So when they finally do take a moment to sit and watch what we do, I'm, people do say, okay, I like what you do. Like, for instance, um, you know, my grandmother's in the hospital, and um, the woman in the bed next to her husband, it was like, I was watching your show the other day. He goes, you guys do a lot of culture and sports. He was like, that's really interesting. When did you start adding culture to what you talk about? Mm-hmm. And this was an older man, Jewish man, maybe in his 60s, and I thought, what a fresh perspective. He doesn't watch Sports Center, but what he took away from what I, what we try to do on our Coast to Coast show, I appreciated that. Because I want to talk about Philando Castile. I want to talk about, uh, you know, social injustice and using your platform. So people don't know what it is, but the beauty of what you're going to do in this, this small period of time, what is your show, half hour or hour? Uh, it'll be an hour. And sometimes, depending, I think, on, on what is following us, it might be an hour and a half. And the hour that you have, you use that time to not necessarily go out of your way to show that you're different, but use that time to find a new audience and introduce them to what you guys do best. Like, don't try to be, and you already know this, but do what you do best, whatever your gut says. Like, I know you might feel the need to compromise, but do what you do best. I felt the need to compromise. Like, I did because I wanted to accommodate my co-host and I wanted Mm. him to be comfortable. But I I don't know any other way but to fight, as you will know. (laughs) Right? So I didn't do it. I just did it my way and I and I'm like not necessarily just my way but I was like guys this is interesting trust me on this my your gut as a journalist tells you what people want to hear very true. right yeah no, like we've been true. doing this for so long that our gut is always right and try something different so I people don't get that it's different no they don't I, I think a lot of it and I don't know is it poor I don't know public relations on our part as a, probably as a company is that probably or is it just that I think there are some people and uh, that have not let go of what sports center used to be Fact. and um it's been it's been an institution for 30 years how has, do you change it how do you yeah i don't i don't know that but i feel like the institution has changed but everybody else hasn't caught up to the fact that it actually has changed well that's a and that's that's a sports center issue right yeah. so they have to go out of their way to promote and make it different and, and and sell it and let people know what it is well it's amazing too uh this has been a real education into how people see the different brands because I've heard just constantly, mostly from viewers of ours that are used to us doing things a certain way of, oh, man, you know, now you guys have to be different. Now they're going to yeah, change they don't you. Know. They now don't you, know. this is going to be this, that, and the other. And I'm like, y'all act like we work for different companies. Yeah. Like, it's all ESPN. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, what they allow, I mean, granted, depending on what your, uh, you know, show, pers- you know, what your show is and what time size, you know, some things may be different. There are certainly highlight-driven sports centers, you know, Neil and Stan. But look at the time they're on. It has to be. It's following all the live events, sure. right? And they're great at it. Sure. And But yet there's these other ones that set a different table for us, yours, Hannah's, the morning show. Like, those are totally different than what we see happen sure. at a certain period in the day. So. It's been a real education to, to see what people think of sports center. They think of it as a place that will suppress us, that right. will not allow us. That won't allow us. you to be you, right? And and be, people have that perception of ESPN in general, just because it's a huge corporation because right. of the Disney brand. Right. But they really have that perception about sports center, and that is yeah. very fascinating to me. Like, wow, y'all really think of it that way? You know what? This is interesting. I I will say this for our company, especially in light of Colin Kaepernick and social injustice. They've let us do whatever we wanted I'm to saying. do. They let us have anybody on the air. We talk about black men being shot and murdered and killed and protest and the 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 the, the inequity and, and the racism still uh video pieces of that we've uh alton sterling like i mean they let us, all of that they let us cover this conversation mm-hmm. and and i and and for and i applaud them because i think if people like 
these are these are broad strokes, right? Like you can generalize. But what we're doing right now, what what sports is encompassing right now, we weren't around for Muhammad Ali. But the way that people remembered Muhammad Ali and how significant he was to the movement and how brash and outspoken he was to the movement and how he protested the way he was treated. He was like, I don't have any problems with anybody in Vietnam. My problem is with you. Like how bold he was and unapologetic. I find that we are we are witnessing that in a much more in a less dramatic and forthright fashion. But what Colin Kaepernick has empowered these athletes to do is something so significant. And if we don't stop and take take notice, this is a perfect time for you to be a sports journalist. This is a perfect time for you to be working at ESPN and paying attention to ESPN because there will be a significant change in this country about how we talk about race relations. I feel emboldened to walk into my morning meeting and be like, look, a black man was shot yesterday and Carmelo Anthony tweeted about it, so let's talk about it. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I, I'm sure you get a lot of the stick to sports crowd, right? No. You yeah, know, I yeah, do. You do get I some do, of but that, I ignore right? that. I do too. But the thing that's so interesting, as I've said to them, the people who said that, like, okay, even if I wanted to do that, understand we have very powerful athletes who are dragging us into this conversation, whether we want to be there or not. And it's our responsibility as journalists to cover that. It's like when LeBron says something about Donald Trump in locker room talk, yeah, I got to cover that. So I'm sorry if you are not mentally prepared to address that or that if you're still in the outdated mindset that sports is is so supposed to be the safe zone. There is no safe zone uh-uh. in this country. News no way. There's no nowhere. Way. All right? No so way. it's like we're not going to be able to block out this incredible conversation that's going on. And if you want to talk sports and if you want to get the stats, check your phone. Download an app. First that stuff is always there. There's plenty of spaces on ESPN where you could do that. Watch NFL Live. Watch NFL Insiders. Like, watch Countdown. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, there's plenty of options and choices if you really are of that mindset. Plenty of sports centers don't cover it. Plenty do. So it's like a little bit for everybody. But I think I find that that crowd that wants to say that and, um, you know, create this sort of false perception that sports has always been devoid of that they're just frankly ignorant i'm like if you look across our history it has never been that way Mm -hmm. you know from jesse owens to muhammad ali wimmel rudolph i mean like we could just keep going there's so many examples of it and if they really want to look at history they have to understand that the people who were eventually proven on the right on the to be on the side of right you're sure I mean, Colin Kaepernick, in the moment, a lot of people are just like, oh, he needs to sit down and shut up. And you got Ruth Bader Ginsburg apologizing for what she said about it. 20 years from now, a lot of y'all going to be embarrassed by the things coming out of your mouth. So you need to think about it that way. Because when Muhammad Ali died, and obviously everybody paid their respect, people forget that, yo, when he did this, people hated him. And as I've had to remind a few people on Twitter, you do know how Martin Luther King died. He didn't go gracefully into old age. He got shot for what he believed in. He was assassinated. And he was peaceful by all means necessary. So all this whole do it this way or do it that way, don't matter. People have died doing it any kind of way. That's the nature of the protest is to piss you off. How mad are you that here we are in 2016 and we still have to fight for our black men being shot and killed? Like, I'm telling you right now. The debate is the disappointing. See, because if you have an issue with how Colin Kaepernick is doing the it's protest. It's crazy. You can't have an issue with the message, but that's the problem. Is like, that's been convenient cover for a lot of people. Oh, for sure. A whole lot of people being exposed right now. Exposed. Anyway, for a whole lot of reasons. You look at people that you, like, you on my Facebook page, I'm I should unfriend you. you 
you know I what I'm like, saying? Bring them out. Bring them out. Like T.I. said, like, I, no, man, it's some days going on. I'm all like, how can you tell me what my experience is and what I know and what I live and how I live? Like, how can you tell me it's not real? I get so mad when people come at me on, Carrie, you don't like black men. You don't support black men. I get that a lot on Twitter from Why? the whole Floyd Mayweather thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but then who exposed themselves? Now, all of a sudden, y'all preach. I'm going to sit all back. Right. You already I'm know where I'm going with this. So Go. let me get this straight. Y'all more angry that he said all lives matter, but when he was beating women, all good, all good, <laughs> all good. All but he good. said all lives matter, and now y'all want to be ticked off. Cool, all good. Die on that hill. You got Listen. it. <laughs> you got I, it. They like you don't you don't support him. There were no accusations and all these unfounded accusations about how I feel about Floyd. I was like, no, Floyd beat women. There were there, there's proof, and he I don't went to jail I have, for it. He went to jail for it. <laughs> I have a problem with that. But now y'all mad because he said now all lives. He said all lives matter. Oh, cool. get out of here. Die on that hill. I girl and the the problem is this I think that unfortunately in this day and age when we talk about Philando Castile and his girlfriend and how she had to and I was saying this to someone else the other day she had to videotape him dying so there could be proof that's sad that that's the world we live in now like how do you live in that world where you have to produce evidence in order to make it fact yeah, um, because we're all citizen journalists now. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, or just why do we, especially as you know, people of color, why do we constantly? Why is our humanity constantly on trial? It's constantly on trial, and that's the part that just disturbs me about it. Is that if this were anybody else, we wouldn't even be having this debate. That's the problem. Is like it's turned into a debate. No, you shouldn't shoot unarmed people who are not posing a threat like i think that's something we all should really get behind but why do they the, and then the evidence is that like there is some girl remember in south carolina south carolina nine and they and that oh, yeah. and, and dylan what was his last name dylan roof dylan took him to burger king escorted him peacefully out of the building yeah and oh no actually he wasn't in the building they pulled him over i'm sorry i got my facts wrong but they did take him to burger king but he didn't pose any threat and he just shot nine people mm -hmm. but you're afraid you can't police people you're afraid of no so if you're afraid of the community why are you in the community but the part here's the part the community doesn't want to own up to is that the reason why the police feel some police not all police obviously some of these derelict police officers feel emboldened to exert this kind of threat is because it's an extension of the fear that already exists all they're doing is living out the fear that we see every day like you don't have to carry a badge to be afraid of us there's a lot of people that are and given the gentrification and the dynamics of just geographically that are going on in cities across the america people don't have a very educated perspective of what the police have always symbolized in our community it was a reason why they were associated with the KKK. Their whole identity was built on keeping us away from those who had things that they wanted to protect, period. And so they're going to reenact that. As I often say, go back and look at some of that uh, footage of civil rights protests. You see that sickening? You see who's sickening uh, dogs on people? Yeah. See who's hosing oh, them down? And that the wasn't police. that long ago. <laughs> no, it was not. They act like that was in the 1800s. And that mentality still is very pervasive. It's still pervasive. Okay, so then what do we do? How do we change it? I ask you that question. I get so... You I do. Get, I yeah. ask you. I'm like, well, I'm just, I want to talk about it in that, in that, in that small way. Yeah. But what do we do? How do we... How do we affect change well understand like uh don't judge your own activism so harshly because 
do understand by having this podcast for you being on the platform you're on, you're on, it helps. That's an activism in itself, honestly. And I'm not saying that just to say, let you off the hook and say, Oh no, you don't have to do anything else. It It is huge. It's huge that 20 years ago on ESPN, they would, they would never have talked about this. Mm. Right. Right. And so you're bringing it, uh, to a certain level of awareness on a huge platform, um, on this podcast. So like that in itself is a huge victory and it shouldn't be, diminished or understated the other part of it too is that i think we got to be okay with doing what we can wherever we are and picking out two or three things that you really care about like i really care about education in detroit i'm a product of the you know public school system terrible schools for my entire life Mm -hmm. i realize you read any study any group of statistics about people of color especially african-american children in the type of education they're receiving in inner cities is just frankly substandard and we need to be ashamed so what did i do our colleague Jalen rose Mm -hmm. he has an academy in detroit and i spot i've sponsored the students for this year and what i didn't know until one of his um staff let me know is that espn is actually matching that nice so i had no idea oh that's great so it's great so it's almost like i got two students for the price of one (laughs) so it's all that's great i love Jalen for that i do too i mean he i told him he's changing lives so wherever it is whatever you feel passionate about i mean a project i did last year about um testing the untested rape kits in detroit you know um my mother's a rape survivor the, the level of sexual assault um, the legacy, the unfortunate and tragic legacy is left in my own family. I'm sure. passionate about that. So I'm going to take those two things right. and I'm going to go to the mat for them. Right. And in whatever way I can, in whatever room. In whatever inside. space you have. So and that's so what you do. That's what you do. Because when you think about it, like a massive, huge problem. It seems like overwhelming. overwhelming. Yeah. You feel discouraged. You're like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. What do, you know, what do I, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, how does this all work itself out? Mm-hmm. But if you start with the things that you really, really Things that you can about, touch and care about. And I so, mean, yeah, I, we, we will go a long way doing that i agree with you i uh, spoke with my agent too about starting my foundation because it's going to be little brown girls because you know there a rep for them you know what i mean I do. and i feel like we don't have enough examples of us Mm-mm. so that they can see they can reach and they can touch if they start watching you know if they watch reality shows they think that's what you have to be but we don't have to do that but even on a professional level i mean i read an amazing stat that um uh, women of color are now the most educated. We are group. We are like in I, I read that. Yeah, right. So even I would say this for you as a professional woman, like me having to make your way through corporate America, uh, you're not going to be only doing this for the little brown girls, but for the adult brown girls. Oh, for sure. Right. They yeah. want to know that. But you got to start planting those seeds. To me, the <laughs> biggest difference of what I did or what my mother did or what people do, once you once you believe, they just need somebody to believe, which is why I think Jalen's school is so great. They just need somebody to believe in their dreams. They need somebody to tell them that they can do it. Mm-hmm. That makes the, makes a world of difference. If you don't grow up with somebody telling you that you can be whatever and do whatever, then you can't. You just need somebody to invest in you, pay you some attention. Just plant that seed. Like your your relationships. Okay, so look. Hard turn here. Okay. (laughs) I can't wait to see where this is going. (laughs) Hard turn here. Uh Can we talk about the fact that we have no more shenanigans because you got a boyfriend and we can't go anywhere (laughs) no more? This is not true. Oh, we the last I time have spare shenanigans. You have spare shenanigans? I have shenanigans that I keep in mind. What was our last shenanigan? It wasn't Fiji because no. you, you had a boy there. Yeah. So what was our last why, shenanigan? Why you make that sound? It's just like because you brought you brought sand to the beach. 
and you know we're supposed to be at the beach acting up choose to see it that way what about the last time we was in the strip club that wasn't that long ago no that wasn't you're right that was a good time (laughs) you know what you didn't bring him there that was true we had a good time Mm -hmm. there Uh uh-huh you're right you're right i forgot about the i forgot about the club so you know now that we got this new money dog (laughs) we need to light it up are we we going to wait a second wait a second you gonna pj you gonna order you gonna get a pj (laughs) Okay, so time out. As usual, Amy Stanton in charge of the event is stepping in on the podcast. Yeah, she is because Amy is like, first of all, well, I got somewhere to be. She knows we're, doing, she needs we're doing a podcast right now. You need Jamel to do her job right now. Yes. All right, Jamel, you got to go work. I do. Uh, you get me in trouble. You'll join. Be honest again. Okay. Okay, so there you have it, folks. Uh, wow, we covered a lot. Uh, again, I, sometimes I find myself just speechless. I'm trying to enjoy it all. Enjoy the journey, not rush through this. Uh, It's so easy to rush through life. And so when you are super ambitious, you have to realize when you got it good and you have to appreciate it. That was her message, Jamel's message to me and to herself, and I appreciate it. Uh, Speaking of super ambitious, on the other side of the break, Michelle Roberts, uh, she has a lot on her plate. There's a new collective bargaining agreement. It should be announced any day now. She's been working hand-in-hand with Adam Silver, and she says everything is going well. She also has a group of players who uh, are becoming the face of a social injustice movement. She talked about that, and she just also talks about being a lady, handling it all. On the other side of the break, enjoy one Michelle Roberts. Every year we try to do the the podcast here, and last year we had you on, and you blew us away. It was Michelle Roberts, president of the NBAPA, and the reason why you did was because your um, audacity for greatness was clear, and you had a way about yourself that it was really, I just don't give a, you know, I, I'm here <laughs> to do my job, and so... What I was able to take away from you was that you had some really ambitious ideas mm-hmm. and that you wanted to do something that hadn't been done before. And you wanted to create, quite frankly, a, a players union that would be um, uh, an, a blueprint for what other players unions should look like in terms of how you negotiate, how you deal, how you put the players first, how the retired players are treated well. And and you wanted them to know that they came first as opposed to being a commodity. Uh, here we are two and a half years later. Uh, how do you think you've done so far? Um, we are doing very, we, and I do underscore we, because I now have a tremendous management team that works hand-in-hand hand with me. Um, I think we've, I, I don't think, I know we've already begun to change the player's perception of the union, um, not only as some, a place where they get their licensing checks, but a place that has their back. And so and we have this program we call First Call. Our goal is to make sure that if a player has an issue, the first call he makes is to the union. Mm. Uh, because as we've told them, they may change teams, they may you know, change cities, but they always have the same union. And so... The, the very fact that I'm getting phone calls and emails from players every day underscores for me that we've been successful in, in changing the, 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 the perception of the union among the players. Um, when I first started working, maybe once a month I'd, I'd have some player reach out to me, literally every day, mm. every day. About varying any, any, any number of things. Sometimes it's just a, just a small question. Sometimes it's a major issue that they, they need some help and resolution on. Frankly, I got an email from a guy I hadn't talked to probably in about a year who just sent me an email saying, hey, it's been a while, just just checking in to see how you are. I mean, that, 
That, that, that says a lot for to me about how the guys are viewing the union. How they're turning it around. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship like with Adam Silver? It's a good one. It's, it's a good one. He is someone who I think, well, I believe, is, 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 is committed to the game. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's clear with respect to what his, his, his issues are and what his interests are and who he represents. He represents the owners. Having said that, he gets me, that I as well know who I represent. And so, so far, so good. Do you feel that Adam cares about the players? I, th- I think he genuinely does. Um, I've had conversations with him where he had opportunities to, literally applying the rules, you know, do some damage to players, and he's been willing to, to back off of some of that. So I, I, I do. I mean, look, let's, let's face it. He represents the owners, and I, I don't pretend that he is willing to put the interests of players over owners if there's a conflict. I'm, I'm not expecting him to do that, and I've not seen him do that. Having said that, you know, he's someone that, that I've been able to have meaningful dialogue with. Okay, so I, I find it interesting that, and, I, and we're here to talk about women and what we do, but I find it so interesting that you are a one of a few. Um, we're starting to see more. You know, Lisa Borders is the president of the WNBA. Mm-hmm. She um, and I have a really good rapport, and we talk about her and, 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 and navigating the politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, my... I'm asking for advice, just for me, for women who are trying to make their way uh, in their own respective lanes and their mm-hmm. respective careers. How do you navigate a world full of, of powerful men who, who, who oftentimes see you as just a woman? By not seeing yourself as just a woman. That, that's, the, that's the first thing. I, and, I, and I don't suggest that people, women, should try to pretend that they're not women. I mean, we are women, and we, that's not going to change. But you cannot allow it to, to be the case. You can't allow yourself to be so paralyzed by the fact that you may be the only woman in the room. I mean, if you walk into a meeting and the thing that's got your attention first is the fact that you're the only woman in the room, that, to me, suggests that you're not putting your time and attention to what you should be doing, that is, what the meeting is about. So you know, being oneself is, is critical. Don't allow their appreciation of the fact that you're the only woman in the room mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. You should be the smartest person in the room. You That's should be the most prepared person in the room. Don't trip on the fact that you're the only woman in the room. So, look, it's, it's not the case that it's easy. But it's, it's easier mm-hmm. if you're not paralyzed by it. What's been the most difficult thing for you? In this new job? Yeah. In relation to the fact that you're a woman. Yeah, well, to some extent, it's the, it's the way third parties deal with me. The players, it's, it's been fine. I mean, I had this concern that because I was a woman, there might be some issues with the guys, and not at all. Um, and frankly, it's not so much with the league, but the just about everybody else in the world, mm-hmm. including fans, mm-hmm. uh, they look at me first and foremost mm-hmm. and only mm-hmm. as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, that takes a, a, bit, a bit of getting used to. Um, but not, not really. I mean, after four or five seconds of, of being aware of it, I'm done. I move on. I do my work. You know what I think we do? When you are uh, an, you're a boss, right? Yeah. So as a boss, you have to be very firm and you have to, uh, you know, obviously issue, I don't know, necessarily, you have to do this. You disseminate. Do mm-hmm. this job. Do that job. You mm-hmm. have. Do you have a problem with being firm? And 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 then do you think was I too firm? I feel like sometimes when I'm when I'm being a boss and I'm going hard, mm-hmm. I feel like oh man, I was I was too hard on such and such. 
I am. I, I, no, I don't have any difficulty there. <laughs> okay. I, I gotta be honest with you. And on occasion, I have to check myself because oh. I have very high expectations of my staff. Oh. And therefore, any any evidence of mediocrity just makes me insane. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again for my spirit. No, any it, evidence of mediocrity makes me, makes insane. me insane. You are preaching to the damn choir yeah, right now. There you go. And, and <laughs> if nothing else, it's because um, you know, our players have an expectation that. I mean, of themselves, mm-hmm. then they expect the best from the, of themselves. Yeah. I think they have the right to expect the same from their staff. Mm-hmm. We work for them. And so when I've had to discipline an employee, it hasn't bothered me one iota. You don't I, think about it? I don't think about it because I'm only disciplining because they're not giving me what, 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 what the players deserve. Right. So, man, I, I don't Because you want the best it. product possible. I, I, every day I ask every myself day. how I can do it, how I can do it better. I expect my staff to ask the same question. I find it okay. So I'm just saying because I just want to be great. I don't mm-hmm. come to work to be okay. Absolutely. I want to be great Absolutely. every every single damn day. Absolutely. And I don't understand why everyone can't understand that and write on that. My view is if you don't understand that, you don't work for me. And and I've had to terminate employees who didn't get it, and they didn't get it, and they had to just work somewhere else. You can you can be mediocre if you choose to. That's that's your God given right. You just can't do it and be on my staff. I love it. I love everything you're saying to me right now because <laughs> I'm like any evidence of mediocrity. I, I, it's unacceptable because yeah. <laughs> it, it just is. Now, I've, but I, but here's my struggle, and I think a lot of women struggle with that, is that because we're taught the opposite. We're taught not mm-hmm. to be too aggressive. We're taught once we're being aggressive, we are considered a bitch mm-hmm. or we are mm-hmm. considered uh, a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. especially because we want what we want. Why? How can you just change that perception? I know it's all about how you deal with people, but how do you change that attitude and that perception? Well, the good news is I didn't, I didn't get raised that way. My uh-huh. mother made it clear to me that I was going to be the best person in the room. So I, it, it, was, it was never any suggestion from the person who was mm-hmm. most important to me mm-hmm. that I'd give less than the best. Um, and frankly, as an African-American, it occurred to me very quickly that, I, that the expectation was, right, <laughs> that I could You got to be it. better than everybody be every day. Every day. And so for me, it, it, was just, it was part of how one survives professionally. And the message I give to my nieces, to my nephew, mm-hmm. is the same thing. You can't half step. You half step, you're gonna half. You're gonna half live. If you, you know, if you want if you want the best, then you got to be the best. So I look at you, and 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 you bring up being black, and that's one of the things that uh, I see first. And I know I probably shouldn't, but I see it because it makes me think that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Do you understand your responsibility to the community? I do, and you know, I, I joke. Say I didn't sign up for this, <laughs> right? But you know, I'm still getting letters from people who say, "Hi, you don't know me. I'm so proud of me. You're my role model." Or dads will send me letters and say, "My daughters, I'm so proud of you that because you've made them believe." And so again, I did, I did not plan to be a civil rights worker, <laughs> but I appreciate that there is a community that is not only looking up to me, but they're, they're rooting for me. I can, and I've got to not disappoint them. And we, you, you, but uh, sometimes you get in corporate America, and this is not my. My issue. Sometimes I find that black people get in corporate America and they act like they don't want to acknowledge the fact that they are black. Well, that's silly because you are. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else is acknowledging it. So, so it why don't you embrace it? Never a problem for me. I don't know. And, and, I, and I still run into those types and it's, it's unfortunate. But I think I bring this up to talk about Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. Um, uh, when 
those two men were murdered, uh, Philando Castile mainly, mm -hmm. and we had video evidence of it. I woke up that morning and I was in pain, yeah. and I, it hurt me. Mm -hmm. And we literally got on the morning meeting, and they were talking about Dwayne Wade and going to Chicago. And I'm like, time out, time out, <laughs> not today. Um, so, so because it's it's, it's too painful, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you are in charge of a group of men who are, are, are who are leading the charge, if you will. They were among the first to talk mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. What has the Players Union done to support them, and, 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 and what will you do moving forward? Because the social injustice uh, and athletes using their platform is pushed to the forefront, and the conversation is mandatory. Mm -hmm. Let me correct one thing you said. I'm not in charge of those men. No. Those men are in charge You're of right. me. You're right. And what we've been doing is, is this. To the extent there's anything that we can do to facilitate any discussions they want to have, any actions they want to take, we're mm -hmm. available to do it. Um, I've not been suggesting or directing anyone to do anything. Mm -hmm. If the players want to be agnostic, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But to the extent they are w wanting to do something proactive, mm -hmm. um, my job is to, again, help if I, if I can. And then to the extent there might be any possible discipline imposed, try to try to and run that. And so what we've been doing is saying to them, call us when you need our, when you need our help. Right. Um, the interesting thing, though, is as much as we are, are obviously available to assist, these guys are doing this on their own. You know when I found out about the ESPN thing? The yeah. same time that the rest of the country did. When wow. It, when I had, someone gave me, a, I got a phone call from someone suggesting that I, asking if I was going to watch the ESPN. Right. And I said, well, probably. Mm -hmm. Well, make sure you're there at the, at the outset of the production. It wasn't my idea. Mm. Was, we didn't tell them what to do. Right. Those men did it on their own. Did it on their own. And that's pretty much what's, what's been going on. So... Um, How did it make you feel when you saw I it? I could not have been. You know, I, I'm so proud of these guys all the time. But when I saw that, you can you can imagine. I mean, I was I, I was actually teary eyed because I was so impressed and so proud of what they were doing. Um, so we empower, but we don't direct, and we support. And we, we as I said, if they need any assistance, we're there to provide. Do you know of any planned protests that they plan to do? Or will they be doing anything when the season starts? You know, they've seen something, some some expressions of support. Um, they, but what the players are doing is deciding as a team how they would like to proceed, um, and they're having discussions in the locker rooms that are player-only discussions. Um, I've not intruded, but I've always, again, said if there's something, anything you need us to do, if you want to run by a, pr a proposal, if you have some concerns about discipline, then by all means reach out. But it's all player-driven. It's all done on their own behalf. You may have saw how the WNBA handled it with some of their players, and and it, you know, for whatever reasons, he say she say. I don't know. She say she say. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know if the NBA has any has talked to you or reached out to you and said if in fact the players were to do this, we may find them. Or has the NBA said that's because I know they had issues in the past with them wearing the I can't breathe T-shirt. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. Have they reached out to you and said, we may be concerned if they protest this way? What I will say is, well, I'll say two things. One, um, maybe two weeks ago, the NBA, together with the NBPA, sent a memo out to the players because we knew the season was about to begin and, and there was concern um, that people might or might not want to engage in some form of, 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 of protest. And the, the message that we sent up jointly was that we appreciated and respected the players' rights and interests in, 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 in speaking out. And if there was anything that we either, either the, the league or the union or both could do to facilitate that, we would do that. Those are the discussions I've had with the league. Okay. Um, as you know, in our game, unlike football, 
there is a rule that does say when the anthem is on, you stand still, you don't, you don't, certainly don't take a knee. Um, so technically, the league could, could try to impose a, 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 a penalty, they believe. Um, we've not had that. Had, I didn't know had, that was a rule. It is a rule. And the unlike, NBA. Yeah, unlike the NFL, um, we do have a rule. Oh. And so you know, whether or not it's something that they would treat, seek to enforce, we don't know, but they have not done. They have not done anything. So that far. doesn't mean they can't interlock arms, like we've been saying. Well, I don't. It's my position that they can. All right. Or it doesn't mean they can't raise their fist. It's my position that they can, because that's not technically sitting. See, that, that's the odd thing about this rule, because the rule does say you have to remain standing, um, and it's it's rather ambiguous after that. And mm. so, you know, hopefully we don't have to litigate it, but th- thus far there's been no no okay. suggestion that discipline's going to be imposed. So in 2016, on a personal level, outside of NBA and, and you being the president of the association, the Players Association, um, how heartbreaking is it to see that we still have people being shot and killed by police officers? You know, a few people remember, but we had two of our players um, arrested, and one of whom had his leg broken by the police. When I got that phone call, and, you know, because in my world, in our world, people die mm-hmm. when they were having encounters with the police. And so when I got the phone call, I actually was horrified that this guy, I heard, knew he was in the hospital. I didn't know if he had been shot. I didn't, because we were still... Cephalosha, yeah. It was Cephalosha, and we, didn't have to, we were still getting reports, and mm-hmm. so we didn't know. Um, it is real for these players. Mm-hmm. These are black men, and they know it, and they're black fathers, and they have black sons, and they've got brothers... And so it's not something that we, I can hide from um, because I work in sports, not, not at all, which is why, understandably, the players are feeling the way that they feel and want to, and want to make it. Uh, the sense. money doesn't make them immune, right? <laughs> not at all. In fact, to some extent, it might be problematic. Because? Um, because our players, you know, I've, I've got a player that's driving a car that, that's worth probably more than that police officer's salary. You know, most police officers, and I have no problem with that, but to the extent there's some bad apples out there, I worry. I mean, I, 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 we, we frankly encourage the players to avoid driving and you know, always be in the presence of somebody else just to... Uh, eliminate the possibility of something like yeah, that. Yeah, get rid of all the possible signs. I talked to players today. I talked to NFL players, NBA players. They mm-hmm. consistently get pulled over, mm-hmm. um, the driving while black. Mm-hmm. And then and then there is this immediate fear. So I, I, I don't know how you, you, you stop it. You, you, you can't. And what we do is attempt to make sure they're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the, the worst thing that can happen is someone not understand that, that, that an encounter with a police officer may end up with you losing your life. And so the players need to be ready. And aware. And aware. Uh, how uh, comfortable do you feel having this conversation with your counterparts that aren't black? At the league? Yeah. I have no problem at all. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable making clear my, what my position is on this. I'm comfortable making clear to the league that the players are affected and have, have a need to, to, to express their, their concerns in this space. Um, you don't think twice about it? No. Yeah. I, no. And, and frankly, it's, it's in the league's interest to understand 
And I think it's just, just at least to date, they appear to understand that this is not an issue that we can ignore because it does impact our players. Well, and that was the larger issue. And we talk about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I, I say what you want. I, we're having uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. that I'm quite comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate the dialogue because that's the only way we're going to understand. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel more emboldened at work to talk mm-hmm. about racial matters and driving while black mm-hmm. and black men dying mm-hmm. and a few bad cops mm-hmm. and racial profiling. Yeah. Uh, I, f- I feel like this is a, such a special time mm-hmm. for us in sports because this is truly a time where, and I don't, and I'm not saying it's the responsibility of every player, right? right? right. But the ones who care, mm-hmm. the ones who have a platform. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I would be disappointed if I didn't understand that my, our, my players were not affected by this. I would be disappointed. Um, I'm proud that they are. I love it. Um, okay, so I have gotten to everything else, but like I asked you about your life. <laughs> I know how you grew up. I got that last time. Um, anything exciting that's coming down the pike? Any breaking news you can give us? I wish I could tell you that we... <laughs> the CBA is done. <laughs> right. I wish I could tell you that it was done. I can say that, that I, and I know the commissioner has said this as well, am optimistic that we can avoid um, a lockout. I, we've had pre-progressive discussions and no one's thrown anyone out the room yet Mm -hmm. Um, and so if we continue to behave like the adults that we are Mm -hmm. we might be able to announce to the fans sooner rather than later that we have a new deal that deal uh, will be your will it will any pressure that that's your legacy your hallmark your calling card if you will (laughs) it amuses me that, that anyone would think that i will have a legacy, right? I mean, what I'm doing, I'm doing my job. And mm-hmm. my, my job is to get the best deal I can for the players. And so that's my that's my goal, and that's my anticipation, and that's what I'm pretty certain I'm going to be able to, to achieve. This is what I feel like. This is how I feel the negotiations go, in my mind, in the media mind. So you walk <laughs> in the room, and you, and you push your envelope over here with your demands, <laughs> and then Adam Silver takes a look at it, and then he says, here are my demands, and then there's a lot of staring down, and then ultimately you go... I will not take this. And then, and then you go back to your people. Is that how, is that how it goes? Uh, not quite. <laughs> there's a little more. There's a little more to it. Yeah, there's a lot of talking, just talking and listening and challenging and agreeing or disagreeing and compromising. I mean, it's 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 a series of conversations and and an appreciation that you know we're not going to be able to agree on all matters, but there are some matters we can't agree on. Mm-hmm. And so what's been refreshing is we've walked in, I think, well, Adam obviously is not new to this process, but he's a new commissioner. Clearly I'm new. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, so there's no there's no baggage that he brings to the nice. relationship with me or me with him because we, have never, we haven't done this before. And so it's, so far it's been, it's, it's, it's gone exactly as I predicted. All right. So I, I predicted if everyone behaved like an adult, we'd be able to get a deal done. And Michelle... So far, that's difficult. <laughs> I know. Michelle, you know, seriously, you're asking people to be adults. You're asking people to put their egos aside and be adults. Because we, we either are going to have a deal or we're going to have a lockout and the fans are going to go crazy. Okay. And so he, you know, it's in everyone's interest to behave like adults and so far so good. So December 6th is the deadline? What's the deadline? The 16th. The 16th, okay. I'm, I'm aiming to force a deal sooner than that. Okay, so, so we should be on the lookout mm-hmm. sooner than later. Uh, very soon. Yay! <laughs> All right, Michelle Roberts, you're the best. Thanks for joining us on Be Honest. No, thank you for having me. So there you have it. Um, 
every time I talk to that woman, I, I get inspired. She makes me nervous. Like maybe I should sit up straight and, and, and push my shoulders back. I don't know. I don't know why she does that. I can only imagine the effect she has on uh, the players when she's letting them know she's working for them. Very impressive. Uh, just a few of the people that are here at the ESPNW Summit. I have a series coming out of all these wonderful women that I was able to talk to. You do not want to miss uh, one of these episodes on Be Honest. I appreciate you guys for listening. Sorry it takes so long for me to get these out. I'm going to blame Josh and Delina. Well, no, actually, I can't. It's not their fault. Uh, be Honest, y'all. More to come. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Be Honest with Carrie Champion. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.